horror fan, best friends, and ghoulish nights, and welcome to the 15th episode of Murders with Mertens. I am your host, Joe, and this is a podcast about horror. Vampires, cosmic horror, body horror, the horror adjacent, the supernatural, the psychologically terrifying, scary films in general. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so we can gush about everything that makes it just so damned cool. Viewers, thank you for the support. Uh, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. It all helps to get the word out and bring some much-needed love to this fledgling podcast. I have a minor goal of reaching 100 subs by the end of the year so that I can get that custom URL on YouTube. So, you know, help! I'm about halfway there. So, you know, slow progress. We're getting there. But help! Uh, but forget all of that for the time being. We're not going to waste any time in diving into things and introducing today's guest. I have the honor of welcoming back Mr. Yasman 300. Yes, how's about you, sir? Hey, hey, everybody. How you doing? <laughs> so, so we have brought you back <laughs> once again after I've been a bit of a fixture on your show. Probably <laughs> one of the more prolific guests at this point, wouldn't you have to say? I'm getting there. Uh, yeah, but, I think uh, it's you and who is it? Kai, I think, are not the challengers. But for the most part, you keep... You know, bringing in movies that I feel like I have to somehow defend, you know, with rare exception. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm glad to have you back on here. Uh, t today's topic is, uh, it's a humdinger. Uh, it's a 1987's The Lost Boys, directed by Joel Schumacher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I haven't seen this film in forever. So this was a real treat getting to watch this again. It has been yeah. so long. <laughs> It is so much fun. Um, you're the one who chose this, though. It's one of your favorite scary movies. What's your history with the film? Uh, I actually, you know, I, I, I saw it, I think, maybe a year or two, because I, most of my knowledge has been, of course, the, the shirtless saxophone guy. That's what I mostly know the film about. Sexy saxophone man, yes. Yeah. Now it's like, you know, one day I was like, I was looking at Tubi. It's like, oh, it's on Tubi. It's like, I mean, it's free on Tubi, plus the ads, I might as well watch it. I actually ended up enjoying it, especially so the way like the filmmaking. You mm -hmm. Alex says that people talk crap about George Schumacher for his Batman movies. Watch this film; it will make you change your mind about him. Yeah, he's actually a very competent director, <laughs> and yeah. you know this this movie's got such a great sense of humor. Uh, yeah. A lot of that's provided by uh, Corey Haim's character Sam uh, and yeah. the Frog Brothers. You know the other Corey. Uh, Corey Feldman, and uh, yeah. I can't remember the actor's name who plays the other frog brother, but uh, but ultimately, yeah, it, it's it's very self-aware. Um, yeah, <laughs> you would not have Buffy the Vampire Slayer without this movie for sure. Um, it came out after this film. Buffy yeah, this movie? was '87. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was the very early '90s for the uh, film with Christy uh. Swanson. Um, and then, of course, it wasn't until like Who 97 or so. Yeah. 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 Uh, and uh, Paul Rubens. And uh, oh, God, you can't forget um, uh, Rucker Hauer. He's the head vampire. Oh, really? Yes. Man, yes. he's good. I mean, wasn't he? Because we saw the vampire with that. I remember he was also in Salem's Lot, one of the Salem's TV shows, The Vampire. Um, maybe not in the original miniseries. Not the second but... one. It had, oh, okay. I think, the guy from, what's it? I forgot his name. Uh, he was in Parks and Recreation and Tommy Boy. Oh, um, shit. what's his Rob face? Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe. Yes. 
Yeah, he was, I yeah. think, the lead in the second I've one. only ever seen the original miniseries. That one slaps. That is so much fun. Um, and there's definitely the callbacks to that in this film, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I honestly can't remember when I first saw this movie. Um, I'm sure at some point in the 90s, because I would have been about eight when this first came out. Um, you know, because I'm fucking old. But, uh, you know. Um, Don't worry, I'm not Andy. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's okay. Not everybody can be. Um, yeah. <laughs> or should they be? But uh, ultimately. Don't worry, I'm punching him in my next episode of my podcast. Oh, good. Good for you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I probably saw this in either the late 90s or the early 2000s. So I probably would have been like the perfect, uh, you know, demo for it upon its original release at that point. Right. Um, mm. But yeah, it, it's a fun ride, man. It, like I said, yeah. a wonderful sense of humor. It's got some cool little uh, effects. Um, and wow, there is so much as far as inspiration from this film to future films and then mm -hmm. stuff that this film is clearly parodying as well. Um, so yeah. Uh, why, why don't we kind of dive right in at this point? Um, yeah. We just open up with credits and a title shot and a theme yeah. song and everything and an establishing shot of the boardwalk at night. And this was filmed in like Largely around Santa Monica, right? Like the Santa Monica Pier? Or... Yeah, they weren't allowed because they, it was a vampire. They didn't tell them to use the word Santa Monica, so they had to create a new word. Yeah, That's Santa Carla, which is one of the yeah. worst sounding uh, town names for a vampire movie, but whatever. Um, but yeah, cool establishing shot, and they dive mm -hmm. right into it. You got these uh, four punks who are starting trouble on the merry-go-round, and they get kicked out by a security guard. And uh -huh. yeah, it's, um, I don't know. There's nothing exceedingly special about this or, or anything, but, oh, we get that great little, like almost uh, reminiscent of Suspiria shot of something flying through the air after the security oh. guard. Uh, and, ooh, he gets fucked up. Uh, yeah. So much so that he rips the car door right off. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, that, that works. Yeah. It works. It's fun. Is it a little cheesy by today's standards? Sure. Is, but... do you, this, Spielberg did it with Jaws also because he couldn't do, had the money to show the shark. The shark was broken. So he oh, sure. This. Yeah, and I think That's they, they, they the use that to their advantage in this film, for yeah. sure. You do not see uh, much of the vampires attacking until much later in this story. Imagining but, is way scarier than seeing. That's all I see. Yeah, saying. yeah, that's definitely the uh, the H.P. Lovecraft method of, oh, nope, it's too terrifying to describe. Nope, can't tell you. Can't tell you. It would drive you mad. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it works for sure. And then we move to daytime and we get yeah. the, the family moving to Santa Carla as they fight over the radio station. We're introduced to Judy, Michael and Sam, uh, Michael being uh, the older son and Sam, the younger. And then, of course, their uh, their dog, which is probably a husky or a Malamute or something like that. You know, basically a sled dog, uh, Nanook. Um, and we get the you know interesting shots of the the city they're moving to and all that and we cut into a cover of people are strange by echo and the bunny men 
uh, uh -huh. as we move through a montage of punks and missing children posters. Uh, -huh. uh so we're and just we done an executive producer on the film. Yeah, that's true. He almost directed this, but he got sidetracked with some other projects. And... Uh, do you read what he was going to do with the film, right? Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be more younger kids and only types of movie. Yeah. Uh, Joe Schumacher came and he brought Jeffrey Bob, the guy who wrote this weapon, mm -hmm. I think uh, two and three to, to rewrite the script and to make it the movie that we're seeing right now. Yeah, yeah, they definitely punched it up because the Frog Brothers yeah. were supposed to be like Cub Scout kids, you know, just much, much. Everybody was supposed to be tons younger and it was supposed to be much more of a kids movie. Uh, again, kind of coming off of the success of Goonies just a couple of years earlier. So, and I get that. That makes sense. But I'm glad that they punched it up and made it more of a yeah. teenage, early 20s. I say also, thing. that time, George Schumacher wasn't actually a big name at that time. This, I think, was what made him people on the map. Because I was reading about uh -huh. him and he didn't start as a director. I think he was, I think, a costume designer. That's why most of his movies see are really fashionable. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total <laughs> sense. Yeah, um, I, I got to say, it's a decent cover of People Are Strange. I mean, they probably just yeah. didn't have the money for the doors or they thought, hey, let's just use some, you know, current mid to late 80s bands. I guess. I don't know. And some of them, for what I've read, they don't want to participate in a vampire movie. Just like, hey, we don't want to have our song. So they said they up covering it. Okay, I guess that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, um, so we... Uh, finish our little montage credits section and the family pulls up to their creepy ass new home. And wow. Um, when one of the kids makes a comment about it, looking like something out of the Texas chainsaw massacre, that totally makes sense. Right. But, uh, they find grandpa. Was possibly, brother, right? Uh, yeah, I think it was Sam. Um, he represents lots of stuff. I was like, okay, how, how, how old is he? And how does he know most of all? Oh, stuff? yeah. He makes a flying nun reference in this. The old Sally Field. I was like, thing. what the hell is a flying yeah, nun? Yeah, yeah. Sally Field back in the day, um, <laughs> who had a habit with wings that basically allowed her to fly. Yeah. Yes. You know you're and old. Again, if thank you God Andy's in nun. here. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yes, they find their possibly dead grandfather on the front porch. Um, and Sam makes the wonderful comment. If he's dead, can we go back to Phoenix? So, you know, exactly what this character is going to be throughout the rest of this film. Right. Uh, but of course, yeah. grandpa's not dead. Uh, he, well, he's just weird. Uh, and we very quickly learn in this movie that his daughter, Judy is indeed a bit weird as well. She's a little hippy dippy. Um, but he welcomes them inside to their new creepy ass home. And it is taxidermy land. If it could be oh, stuffed, yeah. it is hanging on the wall somewhere. And he's got a workshop where he does all of his taxidermy as well. It is Creepsville. Uh, and we also find out there is no TV. Oh, yeah. that sucks. <laughs> How oh. many times does he mention the word TV at this scene? Uh, a lot, a lot. Because yeah. if, if they have no TV, counting. they have no MTV. That's his big concern, right, Sam? Uh, yeah, I get it. You just moved to a new place and you got to live with grandpa and there's no TV. Yes. That's going to suck. I get it. Um, because this is long before the days of being able to watch anything you want on your cell phone. So yes, or yeah. an iPad. 
Exactly. And that's before also a laptop. There was no laptops also. Exactly. Well, there were, but <laughs> you're you're the not you're watching a spreadsheet. <laughs> you're watching Excel. Yes. Yeah. Um so yes, we learn uh that mom is recently divorced. She's down on her luck. She's moving back home with dad because that's all she's got. Well, grandpa announces we have rules and number one being that he has his shelf in the fridge and you do not touch his shelf in the fridge. And we get the call back to him having rules throughout the rest of this movie. He's a fun character. Yeah. Um, yeah, he, he's definitely uh, a bit quirky and uh, that's cool. That's cool. This, this works for this film. Um, so then we kind of immediately cut from here. Nope, no, wait. I, I, I'm sorry. I totally missed this part. Um, Sam asks his grandfather, is it true that Santa Carla is the murder capital of the world? And Grandpa just kind of acknowledges this and says that, yeah, there's some bad elements around town. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael and Sam exchange some uh, glances here and we... We cut to the evening then where everybody's checking out the boardwalk and uh, yeah, we immediately get sexy saxophone guy, uh, Tim Capello. Yes. Um, and yeah, like you had mentioned earlier, uh, this guy was one of Tina Turner's saxophonists. Yeah. He had, you know, fairly long career as a musician uh, and then, uh -huh. you know, was parodied and memed to death. Uh, you had uh, the Saturday Night Live thing of uh, the saxophone part from uh, what is it, Careless Whisper, the <laughs> uh, the George Michael song, and uh, and then just constant internet memes of this performance here, and this is where Michael. And he's spots... enjoying it. I think I saw an interview. He talks about it. he's like, yeah, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, he probably is just a little bit more attention of his past glory days, right? And he um, looks good. I saw a photo of that. Yeah. He looks good, actually. Yeah, I'm sure he's somebody that takes care of himself. Yeah. Um, for sure. Um, this is where Michael spots Star, and he is obviously yeah. just enthralled by her, which totally makes sense given what this story is about. <laughs> and uh, but we'll we'll get there eventually. Um, and I think we cut here to Judy. She's uh, walking the boardwalk. She's she's kind of looking for work and just checking things out and she sees a help wanted sign in a store window. Uh, and this is where she finds a missing child and she immediately goes into mom mode and she yeah. takes him inside and we get the, the punks from earlier walking inside the store and he for Sutherland um, is with not even saying a word in this scene, only having like one line or two in the very beginning of this movie so far mm -hmm. He is just absolutely magnetic in this movie. Um, it's there's a reason why people love this film and he's just got so much damn charisma. It's perfect. Yeah. Uh, so you get the punks kind of picking around the store and um, Judy introducing herself to Max, the owner of the store. And uh, they deal with the Played missing by kid. The dad from Gilmore yeah. I was going to bring that up that most people will know this guy, Edward Herman from uh, Gilmore girls. Uh, he's the grandfather in that show. Great actor on that show. Uh -huh. The dude's got a storied career. Um, Sadly, he's no longer with us. Yeah. He died at some point in the past 10 years or so. That's uh, mm -hmm. a shame. He's a cool dude. 
Uh, but Max kicks out the punks and uh, let's see here. And Judy admits that, you know, she's not there looking for videos. She, she needs a job. Uh-huh. And uh, it's basically it with them. And we've got Michael following star and this little kid who we later named Daddy. And uh, Sam decides to split off from him because, well, this is just boring to him. Uh, I'm not going to help you stock your future ex-girlfriend, dude. Um, (laughs) But yeah, Sam decides to check out the comic shop. And this is where we meet the Frog Brothers, uh, Edgar and Alan. uh, They're supposed to be Edgar Allan Poe, not? Yeah, yeah. It's a clear nod to Edgar Allan Poe. Mm -hmm. And you've got their parents who are clearly stoned out of their mind, ex-hippies who are leaned up against the wall. Uh, I wish we said that two random strangers just sleeping to say that their parents. I have no idea. <laughs> I, I just want to assume that these are the parents. Um, yeah. And this is why the kids ultimately run the shop. Um, and the, the brothers, after introducing themselves and just, you know, there's this awesome back and forth about comic book knowledge. Uh, between yeah. them all, you know, mostly on Sam's part. Uh, but they give him a vampire comic and tell him this just may save your life. Um, I also love that Corey Feldman is kind of doing this Rambo impression throughout this entire movie. I think that's what he told him. Like, act, yeah, Jumaka told him, act like a, you know, the biggest tough guy in, 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 in this hero. And it's like, oh, I'll, I'll act like Stallone because he was like at that time Rambo and. That makes sense. That makes total yeah. sense. Okay. But yeah, yeah, he gives him the comic and he's like, I don't like horror comics. But and he's like, take it. Just might save your life. Um so he does. Um and then uh the couple that was harassed by the punks in the very beginning of the film, um, they make a bit of a commotion and steal some comics and run off. And so the Frog Brothers, you know taking sam leaves um and then we get star and laddie uh who make it to the gang of punks before uh michael is able to catch up with her and there are some knowing glances exchanged between everybody and they ride off uh into the night and we yeah we um i i forget who plays star it's um Jamie, I think Jamie something because I know she's actually the mom. Of the TV show is still standing. I don't know if you. Yeah, and she uh, like owns a football team or something now. Really? Too. Because yeah. I know that TV is still standing. It had the guy who played uh, King Robin the first season of Game of Thrones as her husband. Hmm. He played like in like two parents who are not good at raising their children, and the children are more mature than them. Hmm. Including down to the point that the principal's kids are, oh, it's your parents. It's like, you do sometimes you look at the children, it's like, thank God you guys are more mature than your parents. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, she didn't age a lot, but she looks the same. If you, if you compare that. And yeah, I've seen some photo, more recent photos of her, and yeah, she's yeah. aged very well. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, she's done some cool stuff with her husband, I guess. Football team, good for her. Um, so yes, they ride off into the night, and we cut from there to the comic thieves in some abandoned car somewhere, and they get attacked. The roof of the car gets ripped off, and we get again those shots like we talked about where we don't actually see the killers, but 
we see the terrified reactions of the victims and yeah, they're donezo. Um, let's see. And then we go to the next day where grandpa is showing off his classic car to Sam and he's just weird about it. He's, he's just an old weird dude. You know, they start up the I car. Like yeah. Yeah. They start up the car and he's like, okay, you ready to go to town? And he just turns off the car and gets out and he's just like, yeah, that that's it. Yeah. That's as close to town as I want to get. And all right. So Sam decides to fuck off and uh, go back to the comic shop because he's got nothing better to do. And the frog brothers, you know, again, are super weird and pushy about the vampire comics. This time they're going to give him his, their phone number as well. You know, just in case <laughs> we hope you never need to call us. And he's like, I hope I never need to call you too. It's good. It's again, the, the, all, all the comedic back and forth in this movie really does work quite nicely. Yeah. It's fun. Um, and I think we just jumped to nighttime again. It's, yeah. One thing I definitely noticed while watching this movie is that over and over, there's bits of dialogue that make it seem like this is an event that has spread over just weeks and weeks and weeks, except all everything in this movie happens over the course of like three or four days. This is what it felt like. It felt like it's happened on like a few days. That's what yeah. I've read. I did not notice it. Like you feel like the, the dialogue's like it's been for weeks, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, because like uh, comments that, you know, Judy makes to her kids about I work all day and blah, blah, blah. You, you've been at work for a day, a day, <laughs> let alone many days. But yeah, it, it's, it's strange. Uh, and part of that might be due to some cut scenes, because I, I know there were some scenes that were cut, like Michael working as a garbage man to uh, save up money to buy a leather jacket instead of him just right, at this point him, in the film buying this cheap leather jacket on the boardwalk um which he does you see him and it seems like do you need a job is it only for the legals he tells him with the yeah the yeah there's nothing legal that you can do here <laughs> um great um so yeah michael does buy this cheap leather jacket on the boardwalk and then he's seeing somebody getting their ear in high school michael i think yeah he's supposed to be like a junior or senior in high school something like something so like he's that. probably like 17 18 somewhere around yeah. um but of course he's probably about 25 or 30 year old playing you know because that's exactly what happened throughout all the 80s and the 90s right you had to be I mean, almost not this worse at drop schneider and surf ninja i think he's playing oh, i think a high school student i think he was I remember, I think he was 30 playing a high school student. I think it's 15 I mean, it sounds about like... right because that's so <laughs> common throughout the 80s and the 90s. Uh, they just, they had, had what's no Yeah. And Reyes Jr., like he actually, he looks kind of, but if, he, if, he's, if he's not shirted, he looks like, you know, a teen uh, high school student. But Rob Schneider is like, oh, no, that's not. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I don't think anybody ever had any faith in child actors being able to portray, you know, smart intelligent kids it, it, either that or people just wanted more established people unless you're Macaulay Culkin you're, you're okay yeah exactly yeah. um so yes uh Michael is considering getting his ear pierced and star shows up out of the woodwork you know just like oh hey that's a ripoff I could do it for you 
And they start talking as they're walking along, talking about their names and so on, about their hippy-dippy parents, all that. And we've got David observing all of this. And uh, Michael offers to take her to get something to eat. And she's like, yeah, that's cool. And she just about hops on his bike. When all of a sudden, David and the other punks all show up. And he's like, come on, Star. We're getting out of here. And, you know, clearly breaking up the fun. But... For whatever reason, he decides that he wants to, you know, fuck with Michael a little bit or, you know, just see what he's got. And he tells him, hey, let's go race out to this one bluff. And Michael's like, hey, my bike is shit. I'm never going to be able to keep up with yours. He's like, nah, you just got to try to keep up and follow me, dude. I want you to come with me. Um, and they do, they all, they all peel off there and Michael nearly, it's shit driving down these stairs. He nearly wipes out there by this bonfire, but he keeps up with them and, uh, they race along the beach and there's, you know, the music playing and all that shit. And, um, they start kind of playing chicken as they drive through the darkness and the mist. And, uh, Michael nearly rides off of this cliff, um, with a lighthouse below and he gets pissed and slugs David um, and, you know, clearly wants to fight him. But David's like, nah, nah, dude, dude, this is all part of the fun. This is what we're here to do. Come on. And he just keeps playing an absolute dick, but also wanting to show him a good time. It's, you know, we learn later that um, things were not supposed to play out this way. Something yeah. else was supposed to happen, but he's clearly trying to initiate him into things at this point. Yeah, He just saw something in him that he thought, okay, great, he could be one of us, I guess. Um, and so, yeah, it takes him down to this sunken hotel that was lost in the... Uh, uh, great big earthquake in the early night. What was it? 1906 that wiped out so much of San Francisco. Uh, basically this hotel was just swallowed up by the earth and, uh, these punks have repurposed it. As it reminds hand. me of the Goonies actually a little bit. Oh yeah. Quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, they got their Jim Morrison poster in the background and you know, it's it, clearly all of their inspiration is right there. Um, yeah. And I think from here we cut back to Sam reading his vampire comic and his mom and his grandpa are extra weird. Grandpa gives him a stuffed gopher him, or something. Yes, I was going to say the beaver, was it? Then he should stuff it in. I think it's a gopher. Closet. Um, yeah, yeah. He's like, not today, motherfucker. And he picks it up and he puts it in the closet because he does not want this thing staring at him while he, he sleeps. And I, I think that's wise. <laughs> Um, uh, we get more of this kind of stuff later, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that all in good time. Yeah. Um, yeah, mom's going out, um, to do whatever. I, I don't think she's going think out. To work. Yeah, I think just work. Still haven't did. Um, and we cut back to the hotel and Marco, <laughs> uh, Alex Winter's character, uh, comes back with a big bunch of Chinese food. And I kind of figure that he just killed a delivery person. And swipe the food. Maybe that's why. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that's kind of what yeah. happened. It's whatever delivery person he could find and kill who was hauling food. That, that's my theory right there. 
Uh, and we get one of the most iconic scenes of the film where the David, one that what we do in the shadow reptile. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, and, you know, to more comedic effects because they don't do a good job of it. But yeah, exactly. This has been uh, <laughs> probably ripped off in uh, other ways as well. But yeah, we get David yeah. using his vampire powers to make Michael think that he is eating maggots instead of rice. And then he offers him some of his noodles, which are worms. And uh, honestly, Michael seems a lot more grossed out than he probably should be. But um, I don't know. Maybe those vampire powers just work really well. I don't know. Yeah. But, I mean, we know why later, you know, he does this to him. Mm-hmm. When he hands him the blood, because you think, oh, I'm not drinking blood. Maybe exactly. that's why he's doing this to him, to trick and, him. And yes, we move right into this initiation where they bring out this bottle of wine that, you know, somebody took their bedazzler to and, uh, you know, dressed up. And, yeah, Star warns him, don't drink it. You don't have to do this. Don't do it. And she's like, it's blood. And he's like, yeah, right. And, yeah, he takes his big swig and they all watch as they all chant, Michael, Michael, Michael. And they're all like, okay, you're one of us now. And yeah, he kind of is. Because they go and they're, you know, they party for a little bit as the theme song plays. And then they race off on their bikes to this uh, train bridge. And they all start hanging off the underside. And uh, Michael joins them. And this is when the train comes along, rattling the bridge so hard that they all start falling off one by one into the mist below. And Michael finally loses his grip, and we get this way overdone (laughs) falling scene. That That was the only negative thing I have for the film, because the way they shot it, it's going to be someone standing. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I, I, I... get where they're going with this and you hear all the the other kids laughing you know the theme song kicks in again and and then basically we have michael kind of waking up in bed and it's two o'clock the next day and mom's calling like hey did you just get in what's going on and can you watch sam tonight because i'm going out on a date with max and again feels like this should have been weeks later or something but um yeah, the movie is no. very fast paced. That's what I was saying. It is. It it just kind of cooks right along, doesn't it? Um, so yeah, Michael is not feeling well. Uh, yeah. light is not great for him. He asks for sunglasses. Uh, Sam is just giving him some shit as well. Um, but yes, Judy convinces him to stay home with Sam so that she can go out on this date. And uh, Grandpa gets ready for a date of his own. He's yeah. going to go uh, <laughs> visit the Widow Johnson, um, slaps on some Windex for some aftershave because he can't find any. Um, I did not notice that scene. <laughs> the Windex. I, I love how they even call it by name. Some wonderful product placement there. Um, but yeah, he drives off. And this is where we get uh, David's gang uh, kind of creating a ruckus outside with their bikes, but we never yeah. see them. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, you've got all the, the wind blowing at the shades and the blinds and all yeah. that, and all the lights from the, the bikes and everything. Mm-hmm. And they, they finally open up the door and there's nothing outside. Uh-huh. Um, and Sam's like, 
I'm going to go take a bath. Yeah, sure. And Michael goes to grab this uh, thing of milk out of the fridge. And you can see on the carton immediately, Laddie, the young yes. kid from the gang, his picture is on the carton. Um, you know, even before the they, they do the zoom into thing. it later on uh, mm-hmm. when it's on the counter after the mom picks it up. But yeah, you can clearly see right away he's on there and he's racked by this horrible pain in his gut and he drops the milk and he realizes that there's hunger pain and well, crap, he starts stalking his little brother at this point uh, and nearly gets to him. But, but thank God uh, for Nanook. Yeah, Nanook saves the day uh, and he attacks Michael. Um, and yeah, uh, Sam, right at the moment all this happens is when he ducks his head under the water in the bathtub to rinse his hair. And oh. so he misses out on everything that happens here. But finally um, gets out of the tub because he did hear a little something comes downstairs to find Michael wounded and yeah. he realizes what's happening. Oh my God. Uh, you wait till mom finds out. I, he knows the reflection is getting a, yep. a little bit. Yep. That's great. Which is uh, something else that they kind of make fun of a little bit in um, what we do in the shadows. Of, yeah. Ooh, ghost cop. <laughs> um, Yes. Yeah. My um, favorite moment in but, what we did in the shadows is the scene where he tells them, hey, I can find you virgin on, online. And they're looking at the vampires like, I don't think she's a virgin if she's doing this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I, I love Sam's dialogue through basically this whole film because the, the whole thing about you're a goddamn blood sucking shit eating vampire or whatever he says. And you wait till mom finds out. I, I love that. The, the little brotherly back and forth though there. Um, so Sam locks himself in his room and he's got Michael pounding on the door to talk to him. Um, and he's like, well, I guess I got to call the frog brothers. And um, he doesn't exactly like the the help that he gets out of them because they basically just want to show up and kill his brother for him. Yeah. Um, but this is uh, where Michael decides to just flop down on his bed because he doesn't know what to do. And then he has an out of control flying experience where he is mm-hmm. on the ceiling and halfway out the window. And <laughs> well, yeah, this is where Judy does that thing that moms do on TV shows and movies where she gets to the restaurant and she calls home to check in to just make sure that everything's okay. I have never had my mother do this uh, or have met anybody who's ever experienced something like this, but you always see it in movies and stuff. I don't know. It's weird, but this is where Sam is freaking out because he thinks Michael's trying to kill him. Michael's on the other line. No, no, he, everything's fine. We're all good. As he's halfway outside the window with the phone. Yeah. Um, and here's where we get that fun little, um, Salem's lot reference of the brother floating outside wanting to be let in. Um, and and Sam does let him in and they make up and, you know, mom leaves the date. Yeah. She takes off in a big hurry because she thinks that her son's being ax murdered. And, um, you know, she gets home and she's like, nah, or Sam's like, I don't know. I I was reading a horror comic and I guess I got a little freaked out. And, Yeah, it's a super lame excuse. She does not buy it. She is pissed that she missed out on her date. 
Uh, and the milk's on the ground later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's where we get, again, the shot of Laddie's picture. And Grandpa, um, he's coming home here uh, from his date with the Widow Johnson. Pretty short date there, Grandpa. Um, but uh, Michael sneaks off then to go um, basically uh, seek out Star. Yeah. Um, oh, also, um, Max, Max visits Yes, him. Max goes home um to his own house there after his uh blown date with judy and we get this fun little fake out like he's being attacked or something um and, and again you excellent him use kite, of right? yeah they they threw this uh vampire kite on his long uh they're just you know they're fucking with him yeah. um but again the excellent use of not showing us the killer's as a way of faking us out with this too. Um, yeah. because you know, well, we'll get to it in a minute here, but, um, yeah, Michael sneaks off to go see star. She doesn't give him any answers. She either can't or doesn't want to. And then they have, uh, they have sex and let's see. He comes back home. Uh, well, you, not right? quite yet, because um, uh, he, he wakes up first in the morning and discovers the wound on his hand from Nanook has All been right, healed. Um, so he he realizes that he is, you know, developing into something else, but he's not quite there yet. Um, so yes, uh, I think he he does head home here at this point. And that's where he finds his mom waiting on the front porch. And that's never good. Right. Um, but they, they have a little talk and he doesn't want to talk. She just wants to be able to have a conversation with him, but he blows her off. Um, let's see here. Judy takes Sam with her to go give Max an apology gift for, uh, oh. you know, blowing him off on the date. She's going to drop off a bottle of wine she doesn't want to leave it at the front. He says the lines like, "Looks like I'm not the only one who." Oh was yeah, lucky. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yep. now to me. Yep, yeah. Uh, Grandpa is very horny. Um, yeah. But yes, uh, Judy and Sam go to deliver this bottle of wine. She's like, "You know, you're the one who should be apologizing, honestly." Uh, and she goes to take it all the way up to his front door because she just doesn't want to leave it at the gate. Somebody's going to take it. She thinks. Well, this is where. Um, Sam is reading another vampire comic and he starts reading about the hounds of hell, you know, these devil dogs in the employ of vampires. And it's at this moment that Max's dog Thorn uh, decides that it's going to attack Judy. And it, we get this kind of Cujo esque moment here of the dog, like trying to burst through the fence. Um, yeah, they, they managed to get away though. Um, let's see. And, yeah, this is where Sam, uh, he's starting to think, okay, well, maybe Max is one of the vampires. Uh, so he's going to go to the Frog Brothers for help. And uh, then we get Max coming over for dinner. Michael's yeah. trying to take off at this point. And we get this very, very obvious, well, you're the man of the house. Aren't you going to invite me in? And... Yeah. Michael does. You're invited. And I like that grandpa's looking at him up. He's 
<laughs> right, right. Yeah. Now, Grandpa was looking forward to dinner, and then he found out the company was coming, and he's like, yeah, man. yeah. He's like, he's like, like he it from day one. <laughs> yep, yep. So Grandpa is not part of this, but we find out that Sam brought the Frog <laughs> Brothers to dinner as his guest because <laughs> uh, they're gonna test out uh, good old Max here to see if he's. Uh, the big bad vampire. Um, and yeah. Um, first they test his breath. Nope. Turns out that's just Nanook basically on the table, breathing in Judy's face. Um, so yep. Nope. Doesn't have bad breath. They test garlic by hiding it in the Parmesan cheese that he puts on his spaghetti. And he nearly chokes to death because of how much he puts on his pasta. Yeah. But no, garlic doesn't do anything. He sure loves his cheese. Mm-hmm. They splash holy water on him, uh, but nothing happens there. Uh, and they try to test his reflection, but no. Uh, yeah. Dinner is essentially ruined. Uh, and oh, well, it's He's clear. Very calm. Oh, yeah, it's very clear. It's just, uh, you know, your son perceives me as somebody trying to you know, replace his father. It's not what I'm trying to do here. Uh, we could try this again another time. Um, what's your thinking on the holy water and the reflection thing? Is it just because he's the master vampire and he is that strong that ultimately, I mean, future spoilers here, but is it because of this that it has no effect on him? Or what do you think? It's actually the time to bait and switch, as I'll say. Well, to clearly they are, yes. But um, I'm just curious why these things aren't affecting him in any way. Um, yeah, they, well, I, I guess yeah, the... They wanted something funny for the scenes, like a left. Yeah, like, I just mean in the logic of the movie itself. Yeah. You know, yeah. is it just that he's such a powerful vampire that they have no effect on him? I or maybe he is a vampire, but the, all the stuff you hear legends about them are fakes. Maybe that's right because the garlic clearly is in this film, but yes, the I other things work. Thing. Yeah, so I I don't know, but regardless, the date is ruined. Um, yeah. But he's okay Max, with it. Yeah, he invites Judy over for the following night. Uh, to and Grandpa's still sports. looking at. I wonder if Grandpa was laughing, seeing how bad the date was. <laughs> It, it could be. It could be. So while all this has been happening, Michael has gone in search of Star, but he runs into David instead, who takes him off on another little initiation thing. They're going to go kill some punks on the beach. Uh, so Do you know the gangs... what they're called, those punks? Do you know what they're called? No. Uh, so yesterday I was watching the movie. I had the subtitles on. The subtitle lists these punks as surf Nazis. <laughs> You know what? I did read something about how there was supposed to be like a rival gang in the movie, and that was cut. Maybe that's well. actually, and they were supposed to be, yes, the surf Nazis or something like that. Maybe, so. you know, like we see, like in the see that last the bikers, maybe that was them. Maybe they're harassing Michael because they think he's part of the boys, and and maybe that's why they were harassing Max. We'll talk about it later. That's yeah. my theory. That could again. be. It could be. Uh, but of course, uh, David's gang, uh, their true nature is revealed and we get them all yeah. vamped out with their fangs and the, you know, the all the makeup and the contact lenses for their eyes and all that shit. And uh, yeah, they go and they tear apart this uh, this gang of, uh, you know, gutter punks out here on the and beach. This, the original scene for this one was very gory because 
I saw an interview with Kiefer Sean was talking about this. And, oh, yes, like he, he said that there's a scene where he ripped a guy's head. It was very good. They had to remove it from mm. the film to secure an R rating, I think. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, again, a lot more of hint at but don't show uh, yeah. in how they do all this. And, yeah, they tear apart these punks. But Michael refuses to take part. And they warn him, you got to feed. But, uh, yeah, he, he does not. And we cut, like, immediately from this to Corey Haim, Sam, uh, back in his bedroom. And he's got another gift from Grandpa, this time, like, a big owl or something. Yes. And he picks it up and he goes to take it to the closet. And, again, something that makes me think that this was all supposed to take place over weeks, but they shortened everything up in the edit. Because he opens up the closet and it is filled with taxidermy. Well, I did not notice that the... the... There were tons of films, but I thought that would be fine if this happened. I did not notice. Oh, yeah. There were tons of them. Yes. Uh, And as he closes the closet door, there's Michael on the other side. And, yeah, um, Sam fills him in on his plan how they need to take out the head vampire. We got to figure out who it is. And this is where Star shows up outside, and she floats up to the window, and we get lots of exposition now about how... You know, she was supposed to and kill Sam, Michael. Like, hides and... in the bit, but just covering himself with a pillow. With the, uh, right, that right. <laughs> yes, this is going to save you from the horrible half vampires. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they basically enlist the Frog Brothers and they steal Grandpa's car and they head off to the hotel. Uh, at first, the Frog Brothers, when they show up at the house, they want to know where Michael is because they think they're there to kill him. But no, mm-hmm. no, they're going to join forces here. <laughs> So they drive off to the hotel and uh, we get this awesome, even though you're a vampire, you're still my brother. Uh, moment. <laughs> Again, the little comedic beats between Sam and Michael are fucking funny. Uh, yeah. And they're, they're played off as wholesome, but they're hilarious. Yeah. Um, and also I like the fact that they stole grandpa's cars. I wonder if you could bring it back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also we get this, uh, thing that will be a callback later of grandpa he's working on repairing a fence and you know he's got his post hole digger and everything and he's you know got great big fence stakes that he's working with and um yeah that will come back um but yes they make it to the hotel they go down inside and uh michael finds star and laddie and he you know works on carrying them back out to the car yeah meanwhile the three boys they uh they find a tunnel uh, and they figure that the vampire's nest is somewhere uh, through there. So they work their way along and they expect coffins, but no, they just find the vampires hanging upside down. Well, and... what's this character's name? Was it Alan or Edgar? And one Edgar. of them says like, he's like the whole cave is a coffin. He's to tells him. Yeah. That was like, <laughs> yeah, basically somewhere deep enough that it'll never be penetrated by direct sunlight. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they figure, okay, we're just gonna have to kill them all. It's just what we're gonna have to do. There's no way to tell who the head vampire is. And uh Feldman decides he's gonna stake Marco, uh Alex Winter's character. Yeah. Uh and they stake him, he screams, he explodes in a bunch of goop, and all the other vampires start screaming. <laughs> yes, yes, it's uh something that Twilight will rip off uh years later with glittery oh. vampires. Um <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, they they crawl out of that tunnel for their lives, and David uh, grabs one of their legs, and they manage to get away by dragging his hand into the sunlight. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, uh, it bursts into flames. Actually. Yep, and yeah, uh, David yells at him, about- "You're dead meat." And uh, I actually read about what happened to, to his tears. I don't know if you read about it. Uh, they actually, that was not scripted. That was, see, what happened was that the makeup they were putting on them is it was very tight on their face that they had a hard time breathing. And that's yeah. why you see there wasn't a lot of makeup seen on them. So they had to film it very quickly. So yeah. when they were filming this scene, uh, the makeup, the eye, I think the eye contact was very close to to, uh, to keep a shot. Yeah, a lot of the contact lenses in the 80s were awful for that kind of stuff. Yeah. They had a lot of problems in the uh, the first couple of Evil Dead movies with that. Yeah. Um, you know, because they and, had like almost all white contacts in those films. Yeah. And it, you basically couldn't see what you were doing and they yeah. were just horrible for your eyes. Um, yeah, so, so because what happened was it was very close to that that he starts tearing you see him crying, and then Joel mm-hmm. Schumacher was filming it, and he was like, "You know what? This this scene looks good. We'll make it look like he his hand got yeah. He's crying because it hurt him. We we'll keep it in the film." Yeah, and then David vows that he's gonna get them tonight. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, Grandpa um, totally shrugs off Michael bringing a girl and a small child into their home. Um, and he yeah, tells us, like, make sure you refill the gas next time. Yeah, basically. Do you know the rule about when you steal my car without asking, bringing it home with a full tank of gas? And he's like, no. Well, now you do. <laughs> it's it's funny because awesome. the beginning of the film, he's like, yeah, that's, I don't want to drive my car. He's very protective of it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. It's And then basically just allows them to get away. Well, I don't know what he would have done chase after him with this broke-ass Jeep, maybe, but... Uh, maybe he's so, like, you know, the, the girl that brought in was like, man, you know what? She's hot. You can have her. <laughs> yeah. He's um, like, he makes the joke, like, I'm not the only one who's lucky today. <laughs> right. So Sam goes and embarrasses the hell out of his mom at work, uh, yeah. basically screaming about the vampires and how she's got to do something. She's like, just, I'm going to deal with you later. It's, I, I can't handle this shit. It's I'm trying to live my life and you're being horrible, Um, which I get because he kind of is. And, you know, she's got to be mom and it's you can't always be your kid's very best friend. Um, Unfortunately, this is a moment where she really should have been. Um, And then we have the Untrio gathering their supplies. They 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 bust open the door of a church in the middle of the baptism and fill their canteens with holy water. (laughs) Well, everybody's just staring at them. And I, I you kind of almost think that they're used to this <laughs> with <not>. these kids <laughs> getting their holy water for their, uh, you know, vampire hunting. Uh, but yeah, it's because of the reputation. It has the, the, the city being like filled with vampires, just like uh, this. Another what's, what's it, a Sunday for us. <laughs> yep. And then we uh, get Sam making an excuse that, uh, oh, Grandpa, don't you have that hot date with the Widow Johnson? You He's do? like, I do? Well, okay, then. I guess I better get ready um, just to windows. get him out of the house. And in the meantime, they fortify the house by locking all the windows and, you know, throwing tables the against the doors wind. and the windows. And, yeah, they get the bathtub filled with holy water and uh, garlic. Oh, that's a wonderful combination right there. Um and uh, we get David and the uh, two remaining uh, lackeys waking up after uh, sunset 
and they fly off in search of their prey. And uh, Judy and Max finally have their date. And um, you can tell that she's about to tell him about what's been going on. Yeah. And they just cut away from that conversation immediately. And poor Nanook gets left outside and they realize this at the last minute and they run out to go and save him. But this is when the vampires attack and this is somehow how they get into the house, I guess. Um, But uh, yeah, we get uh, the dark haired vampire attacking Sam and Michael in the living room and the when the frog brothers the brother. yeah the frog brothers run upstairs with star and laddie and the, the frog brothers decide you know what fuck it let's just you know we're gonna kill execute these people yeah yeah kill all the vampires so star and laddie run away and when they close the door of their hiding place we find the blonde uh vampire hiding behind that one um well yeah uh we get um the frog brothers fighting with them and you know, they think that the garlic is going to do something. He's like, garlic don't work. And they splash the holy water at him and it burns his face. And they're just like on the ground cowering. And if it's not for Nanook, they would have been fucked because Nanook knocks the blood sucker into the tub and he starts melting like crazy. He dies, but then fucks up the plumbing for the entire house. It's <laughs> bursting out of every faucet and every drain. <laughs> the kitchen's a nightmare at this point. Um, this in, in, the, in the original It book? Because I remember watching the remake, it had, had that scene. When Bev, I think Beverly, she gets, you know, oh, by... yeah, there's um, a scene in the book where there's a little voice coming out of the drain as Beverly is uh, in the bathroom and then it turns into Pennywise and then just blood bursting out yeah. of the drain in the sink. Um, that was definitely in the Tim Curry miniseries. I can't remember if it was in the Andy Muschietti. Um, I think they want to remember here. She grabs her, the Beverly in one scene. Remember hmm. then, then his blood comes in and then, her dad comes in just like he doesn't see. Yeah, the, the blood. dad can't see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember in it that was like one of the big deals that none of the adults could see what was going on. Yeah, uh, only the kids. But uh, that is a different story. Uh, again, yeah. the kitchen is fucked. Um, Everything blood and water. <laughs> oh yeah, it's just gore and glitter everywhere. Uh, so and also Sam, that the frog brother, they're, they're like they're scared. They're not like the brave warriors out to fight. Right, right, right. Um, and Sam is downstairs facing af- facing off against the the dark haired one, and he like picks him up and flies into the air. But Sam's got a squirt gun filled with holy water, and he blasts him in the face a couple of times. And when they hit the ground, he grabs his bow and arrow and he shoots him. But the vampire gets up and he's like, "You miss, sucker." And he's like, not the second time. Bam, right into the stereo. And he, he basically gets electrocuted. And Sam's got his little death by line? stereo line. Yeah. Um, and yes, uh, now we only have David left, who surprises them as they head upstairs by uh, just appearing out of the shadows. And Michael gets knocked down the stairs. Uh, Sam managed to make his way up and he's uh, reunited with the frog brothers and they're all happy about what they've managed to get done. And then Laddie hears what's going on and he vamps out and basically tears the bed to pieces. Um, 
and let's see um thought she stops him from killing Lady. yeah yeah because basically he's a little kid and she's got to protect him and yeah you get uh david and michael just fighting with each other and basically um forcing michael to vamp out himself otherwise he'll never be able to fight him uh and it's partially david you know tricking him into doing that because you know he wants them he wants him still to be one of them he wants him to be his brother um and they fight and fight and there's back and forth and back and forth with all these antlers that are everywhere in the place and michael finally turns the tables on him and manages to impale him in his grandfather's taxidermy room on some antlers and we get this it's actually a story about his death uh davis did you read that okay um so if you notice that David does not blow up like the rest of the vampires. Right. Exactly. Uh, he turns human reason, again and there's yeah. this heavenly light and music and all this shit going on. So, so for what I've read, I, I think George Schumacher was planning to do a sequel. He was going to have David come back as the villain. And he was, I think he's going he's gonna to be like the hit vampire. For the yeah, sequel. it was going to be like the Lost Girls or something, yeah, something like, like that. Yeah, something like this. I think he was going to have a mix of boys and girls. But what happened is that Schumacher didn't come with the script. It's like, now we're just gonna abandon it. And then we end up yeah. getting the directed video sequels. Right. I've not seen any of that stuff, but um it might be fun to watch sometime. I don't know. I, I watch plenty of uh questions. Cory Feldman is the only one that appears in all, all the sequels. Right, right. Because the second one they don't have the other frog brother, but uh, he comes he back. He appears in the third. third one. Yeah. The second one has, I think, a cameo by Corey Haim. That's his name, right? Yeah, um, yeah, he I'm had cameos to, in the second one. I know he had a lot of uh substance abuse issues over the yeah. years, and then he died. Uh, God, when was it about 2010? Something like that. Yeah, um, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but yeah, he had a lot of uh, just like a lot of people, issues with transitioning away from being a child star. Um, it's yeah. awful. Yeah. But um yes, we're not done yet. Um David is dead, but they uh Michael and Laddie and, and Star, Laddie are still you know, they're, they're, they're still half vampires. What the hell's going on? Well, this had to have happened because they killed the head vampire, right? Wrong. Uh this is where uh Max and Judy um make their way home. And we also get Michael's don't let them see me like this line. Um but uh yes, they come home and it turns out that Max was the head vampire all along. And his yeah. master plan was to make Judy into the mother that his boy is. Basically they're windy. It's like how like he's Peter Pan, like and the yep. boy and this crew are the lost boys. Yep, absolutely. That's what he wanted to make. That's what that's explained the title of the lost boys. Yeah, all they the Peter Pan allusions throughout the entire film of yes, the flying. I mean, that, that's what. And, yep, exactly. And also, they handled uh, it very well because you know when when he when he asked him to invite him because we find out that the reason he was powerless in the big in the dead house is because you know he he got invited by the brother Michael and they did it very mm-hmm. well because you were not suspected. It's just like, oh yeah, like he's it, it felt very natural. Like they didn't make it like yeah. very suspicious. And because, you know, everything makes again. sense at this point. Yeah. So of course, um, 
But uh, yeah, uh, they decide, okay, well, they got to fight him, but he's just too powerful. He's wrecking shop with these people. Star tries to fight him, smacks her down. Michael gets thrown up into the balcony. Uh, And this is where we hear the horn from Grandpa's Jeep. Yeah, and he crashes through the wall of the house and... Michael pushes Max right into the path of a flying fence stake, which impales him. And, and blows up. The deed is done. Yes, they turn back and everyone is saved. And Grandpa gets out of his Jeep, walks over to the kitchen, gets a drink out of the fridge, and they're like, You okay? And he's like, One thing about living in Santa Clara or Carla, I never could stomach all the damn vampires. And we cut to Chris. That's is it. He a vampire slave, the grandpa. I don't think he is, but I think he's uh, much he more aware about, about. Yes, yeah. I I think there are plenty of people that uh, you know had a decent idea of what was happening in this town. And also, I like the coffee. Was like, how much should we charge them? <laughs> yes, yes. After their house is totally destroyed. How much do you think we should charge these people? Yes. Uh, but yeah, man, that's, that's the last one. Because seeing this, this part, and like I said, we're watching the movie, it's like, oh, different meanings. Like when, when, you, when you said, like, when he, Michael invites Max in, you see, like, the grandpa's looking at him suspiciously. But I think, yeah. like, he knew, I think he was a vampire maybe at that moment. Very well could be. Very well could be. We get that. And uh, also, that, oh, the I'm Nazis, sorry, I think, remember, was that the serf Nazis? I think that mm-hmm. was them that went to Max's house. They threw him, I think, what looks like a bat. Maybe I think they knew that he was a vampire. It could be. Yeah. Could be. We get that cover of uh, People Are Strange again. Yeah. And credits. That's that's Lost Boys, man. Uh, yeah. It's a short film. It just moves along super quick, does everything it needs to do, and gets out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's just a shit ton of fun. It's it's a fun film. It's it's got its creeps. It's so damn funny. I don't know if it was originally marketed as a comedy. Um, I I should look up trailers for this just to see how it plays. If they're like leaning more into the horror and uh, teenage shit, something. Yeah, something like this. But it's a fucking funny movie too. It really is. Um, yeah, man. Uh, It reminds me of Fright Night, the original one. Yeah, I've seen the remake because it has some element of it. I've seen the remake. It's not as bad as people make it out to be. No, I, mean, but, I feel like it's because the remake was, you know, at that time, people, there was the stigma that remakes are bad. We used mm-hmm. to see, I think, bad remakes coming out at that time. Was it the Platinum Doom remakes of Texas Chainsaw Friday 13? And what was it? Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. And you also got the Rob Zombie Halloween films. They were coming yeah, out. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty that are not good, let's be fair. Yeah. But I, I'm. I'm mostly team remake. I, I don't mind. I will definitely I mean, the give thing them is a, a try. Remake. I will definitely give a remake a try. What I don't like is when, okay, case in point, Train to Busan. Yeah. Uh, awesome, awesome Korean zombie movie, right? Uh, and I feel like, you know, it's barely been out there and it's like, well, we got to do an American remake, right? Uh, because we got to cash in when it feels like a clear cash in of a foreign property. Um, then I feel like really suspect about a remake, but who knows? It could be good. I don't know. It's, I mean, look at the ring, look at the ring. The ring is a fucking amazing remake of a Japanese horror movie. 
it's you cannot go wrong with that movie. It is so much fun and so well shot. Freaking gorgeous. But um but yeah, that doesn't happen every day. Uh so yeah, hopefully that one, I forget what it's called. Is it like Train to New York or something like that? Last stop, I think something like this. Yeah. Well, yeah. hopefully it's not a steaming pile of shit. Um, yeah. But we'll find I out. We're probably. talking about remakes. Did you saw the Lost Boys news? Yeah, I forget who it was who was going to be in it. Um, uh, Jonathan is and Swittle. He's the guy who did uh, the end of the fucking world. And I'm not okay with this. He's directing the film. He's also doing the Power Rangers movie for Netflix. Hmm. He's directing the film, and they got the guy who's apparently writing the static shock film to write the script of the film. And I'm looking at what the cast member, they got Noah Jupe. He's the kid from oh, The Quiet um, Place. Quiet Place, and, yeah. Yes, and Jaden Martell from the It film. Okay. Yeah, Bill hmm. in It. And he was also in Knives Out as Michael Shannon's son. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're, I think, the least. I don't know if they're going to be the brothers or going to be Michael or David. Hmm. Yeah, but again, also an attempt to make be a TV to give it a show try. for CW. They were being going to make the Fox sister instead of the brothers. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, we're going to wait and see, see how this one's going to work because I have to also see how is the Power Rangers movie's going to. Because I have a feeling this must be going to be one of those, oh, it's going to be an 80s like nostalgia trip. That's what it's going to be like. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if you did it as a period piece and set it in the late 80s still, that could be interesting. Um, I don't think that every remake needs to be set in modern times necessarily. I mean, the Christie's, um, I think, is a period piece, the remake that, uh, what's his name, Brian Fuller's making. Hmm. Yeah, he um, said it's going to be a period piece. You could even, you know, take something like that and do it in the 90s just for a different flavor, you know? I could definitely yeah. see something like that, but uh, yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Um, yes. You have any final thoughts, any final comments about the lost world lost boys rather. That's a totally <laughs> different type of horror movie right there. Woof. Um, that's a bad, bad movie. I mean, it's not as bad as Jurassic World, Dominion, or Fallen Kingdom. Uh, I'd still rather uh, I'd still rather watch for sure Fallen Kingdom over The Lost World. I actually think Dominion? Fallen Kingdom's not that bad. Dominion, oh, uh, that's pretty rough. But yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, discussion for another day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so final thoughts about The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah, I guess so. This is, I think, for me, is the George Schumacher best film. I mean, I still haven't watched all of his resumes. I mean, all of his like filmography, but I mean, most of the first I know is his Batman Robin. So uh, that's the topic for another day. I mean, if you guys want to hear to our discussion, I did an episode of it with, with 30 minutes of the podcast, just the beginning. Me and Andy and the guys talk about bat nipples. That's it. That's the beginning. I mean, like you do, uh, so, you have to. When you talk about a Joel <laughs> Schumacher Batman film, you have to talk about the bat nipples. It's, you know what? If you've made it this far into this uh, lovely podcast about the Lost Boys, in the comments below, just say something about bat nipples. I'm pretty you sure know? Andy right now has just typed something he posted. Yes, he has. He has, <laughs> and I am currently liking it. Okay, there we yeah. go. Um, but, I will see yeah. if it's like I liked it also from if I see the, the comment <laughs> yeah so what was it's The Lost Boys this actually for me is his best film because and also I like the fact that 
he thought outside the book, like we mentioned, the POV shots, like you knew exactly how to spend their mind. That's what I like about it. Like <laughs> when, when you have limited budget, you go out creative, you think outside of the box. It's like, okay, how can I do this with that? And Spielberg did it with Jaws and you see this. Yep. Schumacher was like, okay, well, how can I use it? He made sure at least that they spent that the, the third eye because that's what I liked about it. It's like, you know yeah. what? I'll save the best for last. And that's what he did. That's why I yeah, appreciate the saying necessity is the mother of invention, right? Yeah. And that absolutely... Which I think a lot of filmmakers should look at this because sometimes yeah. you watch it looks like the third act is like the dungeon work. I think they should look and, at this. Make sure yeah. how you spend it. A lot of horror films fall apart in the third act. Unfortunately, yeah. they really do. It's it's hard to bring some of these stories home. And yeah. this one does an absolutely fine job of it. It's it's so much yeah. fun. Um, I, I feel like it's a great time capsule of the late 80s as well. Yeah. Um, but there's so much about this that feels like, kind, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Where else are you going to find a sexy ass saxophone player? Yeah. That you can just, I mean, we do see that. some sexy you know, as, you know, shirtless, you know, greased up men in Batman and Robin, but no saxophone playing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Poison Ivy, she's about to come in and mm-hmm. they, they had, they had, of course, shirtless Jackson, oiled men grabbing <laughs> Like well, yes, from you have to keep it. <laughs> you brought up your uh podcast, Revenge or Redemption. I was about to say Revenge of uh, Redemption of the Rotten. That's the sequel. That's the sequel. That's the sequel series, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Redemption of the Rotten. Um, yeah, where can people find that? Where can people find you? Oh, uh, yeah. So, for those who don't know, I'll explain what Redemption of the Rotten is. It's actually a podcast I created. This my my main reason is mostly to roast Greg Miller's bad movie test and to torture and and the rest of you guys. And in this case, we look at movies that have been polarized or been badly received, and we look and see, okay, did this movie receive the reception that they've got? I mean, I'm right now planning, like, next year's episodes. I already have some. I mean, uh, I'm really excited because I have League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and the Avengers on the list for next year because they're celebrating their anniversaries next year. I think 20 years for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Celebrating <laughs> maybe a stretch. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, I mean, um... way. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Kai said that he wants to be part of that podcast episode. <laughs> yeah. And, All right. And yeah, I don't I mind League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but uh, The Avengers uh, was one of the few <laughs> movies that I almost walked out of, but instead heckled most of the way through. Uh, but how just, could you not keep your face there when you see you know, Sean Connery dressed up in a bear costume? Yeah, of two Sean Connery films that you've mentioned, there's only one that I would want to talk about, and that's probably okay, you know one of extraordinary gentlemen. Yeah. Um, yeah, because but, I have uh, some, I made some lists of films, and I will have you guys can find it actually. Uh, yes, three hundred pro on Twitter and Instagram for my podcast information, and basically just you can search the podcast everywhere and every platform: the iTunes, Spotify, and you can find it on YouTube for video. Basically, it's available on most platforms because I use Anchor to spread it. So just make sure you, when you if you do like the, my podcast, you like it and describe it, and you leave a good comment because I want to spread it up. And also do the same thing for Joe's podcast, also. Yeah, that's part of the fun, man. Um, yeah. You know, not that I think either one of us have very grand illusions of things blowing up or anything, but yeah, those likes, those subscriptions, yeah. all that stuff, it helps. And you mentioned subscription. I forgot to say. Uh, I know Joe is happy for this. One minute, if you guys go to my YouTube channel and you help me reach one million subscribers, Joe, Andy, and I, maybe some other guests, we'll do like a 
a review for the one of Turkey's finest cinema, The Adventures of Achilla, which I know. Oh, finest cinema, huh? Yeah, that <laughs> looks like a steaming pile right there. But we will yeah. suffer through it if you somehow manage to reach that goal. Yeah. Um, like I said, the quicker you make it to one million subscribers, the f- the faster we'll get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The faster the you know you won't have to hear about it ever again. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, Yes. Uh, I know we've got some stuff coming down the pipe, but uh, we'll we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. Uh, but yes, this has been uh, Murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Mm-hmm. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Uh, yeah. Please like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. I will be back soon enough with another episode. But until next time, stay spoopy, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>